Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of the super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learn right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so, so much, much to, to say. say. Okay, here we are. Chapter one, episode one. I'm excited. Did you, you do your reading? Yeah, I did my reading. Did you? <laughs> Shocking! Yes, could you we imagine? We both did our reading. What if we just we can't not do our reading? I know. I think that's kind of the whole point. You I know, mean, I'd be happy to get on here and chit chat with you for an hour. <laughs> you know who could not do the reading? The listeners. They can just kind of come and listen. Come hang out. You guys can listen to his chit chat. But it was so fun to kind of you know dust off the old book and uh, begin reading again. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot was coming back to me about. Like everything I remember, you know? Totally. Like I almost feel like I know more than I should know reading chapter one, but. I think we'll drop off of that when we get to chapter three where we stopped reading. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be good to consume some new information. No, fully. But it's been fun because I like reading self-help books or books. I feel like I'm learning a lot and it's going to impact my life. Hence this book. I have been reading it either during the day or sometimes at night before bed. You texted me. You're doing the audiobook too, right? I do both because as you'll learn here, I'm dyslexic. So when you hear my <laughs> words get jumbled, just, just know I'm listening to the audiobook as well. But I've been bringing it to work and reading it during lunch, which has been such a nice little break in my day. Well, that's giving main character. You just pull out a book during the middle of your work day in the lunchroom. Oh, don't worry. I shamefully bring it into the conference room and lock the door behind me. (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready to open up to my coworkers about a new earth yet. That's so funny. Hey, um, so I'm living a double life. You're like, I now am a co-host of a podcast. Yeah, I started there like two months ago. So I think they'd be like, what's the kind of aim here career wise? How does this play (laughs) in? Like, do you guys want to confront your egos? You're welcome to join me. Tune in every week. 
<laughs> that is so funny. I was bumped, not bumped, but like this chapter doesn't talk a lot about ego. That's coming, I think, in the second or third chapter. But this was kind of setting the tone. So, I mean, anyways, if we should just dive right in here. The chapter is titled The Flowering of Human Consciousness. And here are the seven points, I believe, sum up this chapter. One, flowers are an access point to inner stillness and representative of the spiritual realm. Two, the majority of humans are not awake and unaware of our own essence. We all possess the ability to become awakened, but the question is if we are ready. Three, modern humanity is dysfunctional. We are driven by fear, greed, and the desire for power. Four, most mainstream religions, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, all have the same point, but it's been lost in human unconsciousness. I forget what number I'm on, but up next, we are now faced with a choice, evolve or die. And next, we need to become aware of the voice inside our head. And finally, collective human consciousness will create a new earth. And now, two idiot blonde best friends will expand on all these points. <laughs> two people who barely passed high school will now jump into this text, yeah. this sacred text. Okay. <laughs> You've come to the right place, guys. Yeah. Something ju that just came up as soon as I started reading this was when we were doing this during COVID, life was slow and like we had time to step back and think and reflect. And I felt like it took me a second to like really work to get in the headspace to absorb this book. Did you feel like that at all? I definitely think there's a massive point there and that in COVID like I would just had nothing to do but go on walks and yes. work from home and now I think for me even with this first idea of like f like really looking at a flower and truly allowing yourself to become lost in it I feel like my current state of mind is okay when is this over <laughs> no right I, and when we were talking about this off air you were like I know I'm supposed to look at a flower and feel something Victoria was nice enough to send me a little rose, like a forever rose in a box. And I keep it and I look at it and I know Vic got it for me. But I was like, oh, my God, like that was supposed to be a reminder of, you know, our deeper purpose as humans. And I forgot about it. That's because we live in a world that everything in it is designed to pull us back into unconsciousness. Yeah, I felt so in touch with that during COVID because... Again, there was nothing else to do. And I feel like as soon as life started again, I completely got out of touch with this thing that I found so fascinating in spirituality and like connecting to the earth and people around you and all of that. I think that's the thing about this type of work is it takes like almost the reminder and the consistency yeah. because it's not like a, f a light switch will flip and you'll be able to forever be conscious because the ego is always going to be trying to get sucked up into something or wrapped up into something and it is really difficult to try to kind of embody even as I was reading this chapter and thinking about everything he was saying about religion and I know we'll get into that as well I'm just I'm also reading this thinking of all the people who wouldn't understand it. Totally. Oh my God, totally. And that's the hard part is then we're, we're having relationships with people where we feel like we're on a 
almost a higher, better wavelength than them. But then if we even think that, we're not there yet because the ego would tell us we're better than them. Totally. It was also interesting, like at the very beginning, he was almost gave like a warning and was like, once you read this, you'll never be able to come back. And I was like, (laughs) dude, you lost me. Probably because I stopped at chapter three, but shit. (laughs) Well, also, I thought it was interesting how he was saying some of you will become awake and the others of you are not ready. And the athlete in me is like, let's fucking go, boy. I'm ready. Let's go. Because I don't want to be someone that doesn't become awake. Totally. So I'll ask you, do you think you're awakened? I think I started becoming aware when we were starting to dive into like self-help and all of that in 2016. I feel like we both had an awakening then. Do you? I would completely agree. Like I felt like I first started to even think about my mind after freshman year of college reading like mindset by carol dweck and thinking oh my yeah. god there's a growth and a fix and i have a way like i ha- i can decide my thoughts and the positive ones will be better and the negative ones won't i mean obviously that was a really challenging thing to go through do you feel like there's a way to become awakened unless you have some sort of either big t trauma or little t trauma Ooh, that's so interesting and such a good question i definitely think it would be incredibly hard to become is it a woke <laughs> Let's call it a woke. It's definitely not that. Um, If you are... This is an English class. (laughs) If you haven't been faced with some sort of like really high intensity life situation, because if everything is butterflies and roses, you're not forced to face it. However, I think on the other side of that, if people are never forced to face it, sometimes when things come up, they just suppress and they bottle it. That's what we were talking when we had breakfast and we were talking about people who don't have trauma in their life. Totally. I can think of those people and they haven't been tested. And like I, just to get right into it, guys, welcome. I remember when my dad died when I was 11, like that, that is like in my brain when I flipped on as like a human, like I don't know what that is. I don't know. I just felt like I have been the same person since that. Like I've grown and changed, but that's when I became Aubrey, you know? It's so crazy that that was sixth grade for you and you were so young. And like, I don't even feel like I became awake for, I don't know, what's six? We don't, we also don't do math. What's 18 minus six? <laughs> we were, we were 11. Wait, or like... 18, 17, God, 16. We're reading, doing me, math. It took me 16 years. the worst year. podcast it, ever. It took me 16 years. But I think what you're explaining, obviously, is like, it's almost like you're living in a snow globe and then the snow globe is shattered. And yes. your snow globe, it's always going to be different than someone who's has never like had a crack in it at all. Totally. So I, I think for me, obviously, it wasn't a full awakening at 11, but like I awoke into my humanness and like life at that point. I would just like spew information that was just like way beyond my years like talking to my mom about her boyfriends and like how to raise children and like you were like booking flights at 12 years old I was booking flights like I don't know I just became a little person very quickly I think that was the start of my awakening at least what did you think of everything he was saying about religions essentially saying that they all have the same purpose but we're completely missing the point and yes I just thought it was fascinating when he was like suffering in Buddhism is original sin in Christianity and 
salvation in Christianity is enlightenment in Buddhism. Like all that was making sense for me to click for you. Totally. You used to be pretty religious in middle school. I mean, define religious. Yes, I prayed a lot and I believed, but I was always incredibly inquisitive. Like I, w- I would go to school at 7 a.m., which means I was waking up at 6.30 and for, for my, my poor parents, forcing them to drive me yeah. so I could have discussions <laughs> with our religion teacher before school. Like I was always very curious and yeah. always asking big questions. Do you feel like this speaks to you more than Catholicism or like an organized religion because there's less to question? Yeah. It's less organized? I think I – that's such a good question. Okay, wow. You're like a better interviewer than I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> um, Try me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Rain Wilson talked about this when he was on Real Pod, and he calls it Sky Daddy. I struggle with this idea Sky Daddy. of Sky Daddy, like this man in the clouds that is like choosing people and granting their prayers and not choosing others. And I really struggle with it's my way or the highway, which Eckhart was referencing in this chapter anyways, is when people, they identify so heavily with their religious beliefs that they they can't even take in another person's way. And I think in a way, that is obviously the ego voice. And I think what I loved was when he said in this chapter, the more you make your thoughts and beliefs into your identity, the more cut off you are from the spiritual dimension within yourself. And even though I don't feel incredibly religious at the moment, I don't think I'm as spiritual as I want to be. Because similar to what you were saying in the beginning of just being in a place where you're struggling to like get into it, I sometimes, my ego will tell me I know everything. I'm like, what more is there to become aware about or to learn? Like, I feel like sometimes people look at me, my own therapist will, like, I believe this is going to sound so terrible. This is, (laughs) this is my, dude, dude, hopefully this whole podcast, it will be us shedding our ego because I'm about to say the most egoic thing ever, but I do think we have to start somewhere. I do think if you took like the bottom amount, not not the bottom, but like I think I could hold my own like being a therapist for someone that would compete with some of just like the worst counselors out there. Wait, I'm going to say something not to stroke your ego, but I don't disagree with that at all. Like Honestly. you give the best advice. <laughs> I know that if I'm coming to you for advice, it is correct. And sometimes I, I think I've said this, even if I don't want to hear the correct advice, like I'll I'll hold off on going to you until I'm ready to actually attack an issue That's or address so funny. it. That's so funny. Well, you're feeding my ego, which is the whole point of this is to be to lose our egos. <laughs> and obviously I do not understand, you know, the intensity of all of the different diagnoses and I could never diagnose someone. But I think on a conversational level, yeah, when people call me crying or I just assess and analyze people, I think I can piece together like what it is that they might be struggling with. And I think that sort of know-it-all part of my mind um, really does cut me off from the spiritual dimension within myself because I, unless I'm currently in a struggle, I, I almost feel like I lose that curiosity. Like I need to look more into the flowers. No, I mean, I agree. But I think, I think this also is like very similar to your episode of not helping people who don't want to be helped. You know, I think that's a shedding of your ego of like some people want to sulk and be miserable. And like some people, for whatever reason, need to ride out their issue. And like they don't want solutions yet. 
So yeah. like, I think for you to like step back and be understanding of that now is a huge shift in your ego. Yeah. The belief that I'm always right. That's obviously yeah. the Taurus in me if we're going to, you know, start talking about astrology. But that is definitely a big hold that my ego has on me. What do you Dude, I was literally just getting my hair done. I'm also a Taurus. You guys, our birthdays are three days apart. And we were talking about a Taurus and he goes, Ugh, you stubborn little bitch. And I was like, <laughs> I texted my boyfriend. I was like, I know I'm really stubborn. I'm really sorry. I'm working on it. Like that's, that's my, that's my ego. Yeah. Like I literally was joking that like, if I make a point, like I will be dying on that hill, even if I don't believe in it. Like I, it needs to go. Yeah, that's so funny. I I relate to that so hard. And I bet you're similar to me. And I've said this on Real Pop before. It feels like like my this is the ego, the feeling of ego inside me. It is like this thing that is making me clench and claw. Yes. And it and even if I'm thinking in my head, you're wrong. Just say you're sorry and give them a hug. Yes. I'm like, absolutely the fuck not. Yes. <laughs> absolutely not. I will throw my phone out this window before I text I'm sorry. Right. No. The other day, no, because I'm so defensive. Like I'm so defensive right off the bat because like I think I'm right and the other person's wrong and I'm awakened. And I'm enlightened and I know how issues should be handled. Like that's like what my brain tells me and it's my ego. But like I consciously, this was yesterday. This is so funny. I consciously was like, say you're sorry, take a breath, whatever. Even though I like did not think I was wrong in that moment. And then I went back and I read my text and I was like, you were wrong. You were wrong. That was a time you should be saying sorry. Notice the way your body clenches up and feels even in instances where you are wrong. You know what my therapist and I are doing to help this? Because I explained this to her. I'm like, I know. I, I can I, I can spot it instantly. And I literally cannot overcome it. And she's like, okay, well, what can we do to help you in those moments? And what we've settled on is a hand on the heart and a deep inhale and then a deep exhale and just a charming statement of, I'm having a reaction having a reaction and I've been able to do that recently and it and it sounds cheesy that I like but it's emotion regulation and I think a lot about what we're gonna get into in a new earth is how powerful this voice inside of our head is and how hard it is to become conscious when all the ego does is want to rule you I think I mean there's so many parts in this chapter where it said Unless you know the basic mechanics behind the workings of the ego, you won't recognize it and it will trick you into identifying with it again and again. This means it takes you over, an imposter pretending to be you. I think even us just having the awareness to be recognizing when we're getting overtaken by the ego is a big step, you know? And totally. I wanted to ask you before touching this book, what did you think the ego was and did you have an awareness of the difference between the two voices in your head? As Eckhart says, the voice in my head is not who I am. Who are you then? The one who sees that. I think one of the first self-help books we read was The Untethered Soul and they call it The Annoying Roommate. Think of your ego voice as The Annoying Roommate and that always stuck with me. But I took that as more for my anxiety. Like, I think that was, I was in an anxious state when I was reading that. So 
my anxious voice was my annoying roommate rather than my ego voice that I feel now. What about you? It's funny how we've heard about the ego voice in so many ways, like the way you heard about it as the annoying roommate. And I've heard about it in eating disorder recovery land as the shaming voice or the eating disorder voice. And all of it is the ego. And I think what has been the most transformative is recognizing that ego isn't just I think I'm really great. I think I'm better than everyone. It's also, I think I'm really shitty. I think I'm not good enough. It is any sort of labeling that you're putting on yourself. And Eckhart talks about fear, greed, and the desire for power are basically the psychological motivating forces, not only behind warfare and violence between nations, tribes, religions, and ideologies, but also the cause of incessant conflict in personal relationships. They bring about a distortion in your perception of other people and yourself. Through them, you misinterpret every situation, leading to misguided action designed to rid you of fear and satisfy your need for more, a bottomless hole that can never be filled. And I know, I know, I would take a lie detector test that Mm -hmm. more is a bottomless pit, but tell me why every day I want more. Every day, every, nothing is enough ever. Ever. It's crazy. Even, even I just mentioned my hair appointment. I was like, make me blonder. And then it was, and then I got done and I was like, it's too blonde. Like it's always more, it's always more. Well, And, and then just, it's too much and then it's more and then it's too much. And I don't know. Yeah. It's just never satisfied. And Eckhart says it's important to realize that fear, greed, and the desire for power are not the dysfunction that we are speaking of but are themselves created by the dysfunction, which is a deep-seated collected delusion that lies within the mind of each human being. And I think this is our, this is the delusion, right? Is that we truly can't, like, it's almost like an addiction, like needing more, totally. wanting more. And I've tried to catch myself recently when I get in the spiral, especially after scrolling social media and trying to take a deep breath and being like, abundance mindset I have everything that I need and I just resort back to it it's the hardest narrative in my head to like even dive into like you know anxiety and anger like I'm able to take a step back from those and be like this is what's happening like whatever but greed like I can't even get to take a step back and really feel everything you have like I feel like my ego is so out of check in that facet of my life that like maybe it's because I haven't done any work on it, but I feel like that's like what I want to take out of this book. Mm -hmm. I'm even thinking about how you and I do have like three years of kind of mulling over the difference between these two voices. And there's probably a lot of people listening who read this chapter And felt the way we felt the first time we ever came across texts like this, where it was like, oh, shit, there's the 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 voice that starts jabbling in my mind. And then there's the second voice and the voice in us that's being stubborn with our men is clearly ego because it's that higher self that then says, why are you doing this? You know, that's that's our higher self. That's the wise mind. That's consciousness. But that ego just wants to shut it up. Totally. I also feel like... I love when you make this face. What are you going to say? Well, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, is it kosher to talk about my relationship? Like, I don't think that, like, I had enough conflict in my life 
before I got into a relationship for me to realize like like I thought I was all good and dandy like I don't fight with my friends like there's nothing really to discuss but like naturally when you're in a long distance relationship like shit comes up and I'm like holy fuck like my ego is so out of whack sometimes well a relationship I think is a great like test not even test totally. but it's routine practice at trying to you know become more enlightened and conscious like totally it is probably one of, it's the one of the more challenging things we have the little yeah. tests like when people honk at you in traffic but you don't feel a passionate love and ferocity for them the way you do the person you love yeah like I felt like I could just avoid conflict and then I wouldn't have to engage in it right just in general right like even at work like I don't know like I my method was avoiding conflict and my ego wouldn't get activated because there was nothing activating it you know but I almost think your ego could be active in in the desire to avoid conflict don't you think in, I'm interested keep going I don't even really know what I'm about to say like I don't really know what I'm saying but do you think if your ego is when you're feeling inferior or superior and inferior do you think that you were yeah. like on that side of whether it's like inferiority or not worthiness or like your ego is playing a role in like not getting involved yes 100 percent. that is crazy probably it's like I don't want my ego to get hurt or my ego doesn't want to get hurt Right. It's like you're protecting can't, yourself. I can't nothing. Yeah. I can't be rejected. Yeah. <gasps> this is why I'm a therapist. People. <laughs> Sneaky little bitch. <laughs> um, wait, I had a question about you were saying that we were we've come across the ego voice in different ways. You did with Janine Roth and, you know, your shame voice around eating. Like that's, that's a best anxiety. friend when you just low-key reference just eating disorder recovery and she names an author of a book you read that she never read. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Janine. Sorry to cut you off, but that was just that warmed my heart. Keep going. Um, do you feel like the ego voice gets quieter in certain facets of your life? Or do you feel like you get louder? Like the way that you have your shame voice very under control and managed, but then your defensiveness voice is still too loud sometimes. Like yeah. Oh my God. That's so interesting. So I, I feel like I've maybe really tapped into a great state of consciousness around food. And I wonder if it is like selective where I feel like if we just looked at my relationship with food, I have like quieted the ego and really yeah. tapped into my intuition and my higher self and there's no judgment and there's no like, it's interesting because I've never thought about it that way, but maybe the portal for me isn't flowers, but a burger. <laughs> but a burger, like a burger is my flower. Like when I think about my relationship with food and how I think and talk about it to myself, like I do think it is like I've become conscious. And I think I know. in my relationship, I definitely have become way more conscious than I have ever been. And it's funny because I'll tell Max, like, I mean, there's just so many times I can even think of recently where like, I maybe would have started a fight, but I've been able to quell myself and recognize I'm responsible for my own emotions. And it would be absolutely absurd to, even like when I posted on my Instagram a while ago, where I said, 
like, see you at home tonight. And he said, I'm not coming home tonight. And I said, oh, I was really hoping that we could spend this night together. You've been gone all weekend. And he said, like, sorry about that. I have this important work event I need to be at, but we can hang tomorrow. Nine nine other versions of me out of 10 would have made that a big fight. I can't believe you just wouldn't even want to see me after a weekend, regardless of what I wanted. Why wouldn't you want it? Or you should have told me sooner or like feeling like he chose an event over me. Like that's all the ego coming in. Whereas my higher self is able to take this deep breath and be like, okay, I didn't communicate that I wanted to see him tonight. How could he know? He can't read my mind. Also, I know Max loves me and wants the best for me. So there's no malintent, which Eckhart says on 13, you do not become good by trying to be good, but by finding the goodness that is already within you and allowing that goodness to emerge. So in a way, when I recognize how much Max loves me and then I can tap into this benefit of the doubt and not get inflamed with ego, I think we can apply that to just everyday people in our lives because we believe that they all have goodness within them and they're just like us. But, totally. but maybe they're not conscious. And I, I've never even put that together before, but like, you know, it's like with other people when they do strangers piss you off or friends or people at work, it's like remembering that they have goodness within them and they, they have warmth within them. And the way that they're acting is, is not conscious. Where does that line get drawn? Like when people are treating you poorly. Like how much grace do you give a person just because they have goodness within them innately? So this is... And then they're just outwardly a shitty human. Uh, Welcome to the part of the podcast, everybody, where we don't have the answers. (laughs) But (laughs) but if I tried to answer this, and I'm sure Obs and I throughout this podcast will try to answer these impossible questions. And this is the part, the point of, um, you know, a little book club like this is that I'm sure you guys have so much to say. And so we want to hear that in the comments and we can all be kind of growing and learning together. But I would think it's, let's say someone is terrible. Actually, who was the the priest that founded um, Homeboy? Is it Homeboy Industries? Father Greg. Yes. So Father Greg, I was listening to him on Mike Gervais Finding Mike Mastery. Gervais. And one of his former gang members that he was working with ended up throwing a brick through his window of his house. So I feel like that would be an example of kind of what you're describing, right, Ops? Yeah. And what Father Greg began to explain was like, this is not acceptable. And if you do this, you're not going to be allowed to come into our community because there's a way we behave and treat each other. But he didn't start screaming and cussing out this person and let it inflame or affect his life. You recognize its behavior you won't tolerate and that- You set a boundary. Yeah, affects the peace, but you can set, I think you set a, a boundary and yeah. you can do that while still wishing and recognizing the best for those people. But it, this, is an, this is an incredibly complex question yeah. because what about like the murderers and those type of people? And Father right. Greg, I'll send everyone to Father Greg for that one. <laughs> Something I love because like I have- I have trouble setting boundaries sometimes. Like I'm innately a people pleaser. I'm a stubborn one, but I'm a people pleaser. And something I read in a book about boundaries is that one, the only commonality between like Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama and, you know, all these people we highly regard is they have incredibly strict boundaries. So like they probably see the good in the extremes like murderers, but like, 
there's some boundary to be set. I just there. think both can be true. Did you ever see that show on Netflix where they interview the people on death row? There's literally a man who murdered his grandparents. He did something wild and he's on death row. But when they interview this man, he was adopted and in different homes, he was sexually assaulted and molested by like his father or something his entire life. No one ever showed him love. Like I'm not justifying the murder, but I I do think I have this. I think you're the same way. I'm so compassionate, like, and yeah. loving as a person. It I just can't help but also see the human in in everyone. That doesn't mean you yeah. agree with what they do, but you just recognize they're so lost and far gone from the path. And that doesn't totally. mean their behavior is acceptable, but it's very sad. Yeah. Like, I feel like I can be really quick to judge. Like, I feel like I can get in one of two moods, like really quick to judge or like everyone is good. And I don't, I don't know where that line is. It's like a mood I get in, but like, I feel like I would love to fully lean to the everyone is good. Like, I just feel like it makes our existence as humans happier, like selfishly. Is that an ego thing? Like, I'd love to lean into everyone is good because it's a way more pleasant way to see the world. Right. And I, I do just inherently believe in the goodness of all people. Like that is, I don't have many fundamental beliefs, but that is one of mine that I read every morning on my life is beautiful notes. Actually, let me just read the quote because I think it's a powerful one. This was said by the Dalai Lama. I have a belief in the fundamental gentleness and goodness of all human beings, a belief in the value of compassion. I believe in a policy of kindness and a sense of commonality among all living creatures. I, I, I just am like very, I'm, I'm more of a forgiver than a grudge holder. Like grudge holder. I feel yeah. like I forgive like so easily to the point, to your point where like when people really wrong me, I have to recognize like you can't just forgive like right now. I'm I like, know. You can, yeah. but you can't let them be in your life the same way. Totally. Um, we're almost up on time, but before we go, I just want to ask you about the very last part of this chapter where Eckhart basically explains that a new heaven is the emergence of a transformed state of human consciousness and a new earth is its reflection in the physical realm. I thought that was really powerful. Although it scares me not to think that there is a heaven where we can all just be happy all the time. (laughs) I know. Shoot. (laughs) Bummer. Mm. Oh no. Sure. (laughs) I mean, that ties into his whole idea of evolve or die. It scares me that like, you know, you and I want to put in the work, but like we're probably a small fraction of people and then like we want to put in the work and then forget about it a year later. Like, I I just don't know how everyone gets on board with this idea when it's not being pushed like a religion. I don't disagree with him. I completely agree. Yeah, I agree with him as well. I will say it is comforting to know that Oprah Winfrey says this is her favorite book ever and she did a big thing on it. So I mean, millions of people have read this book, which is great. I think if we all have this fear of there won't be change, so what's the point? It will never come. But if we can start to become the change, then like a domino effect, you know, us and yeah. our 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 very small portion of listeners. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
us and Lainey and Christina. Yes. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. No, but I think, I think really we have so much to dive into. I mean, this was chapter one. There's 10 chapters. Yeah. I've glanced at the names and I'm excited. So I have so much to say. Yeah, I have so much to say. We're going to be back next week. Chapter two. Do your reading. Have a great lunch break. Don't forget your pencils. (laughs) Bell rings at three. Yeah. Okay. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap. So you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say is a part of the RealPod family. So you get everything right there. And you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay. Thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.